Hello and welcome to the Withy Window Podcast, brought to you by Covenant Coffee. The Withy Window Podcast exists to help men and women have dominion and mastery over their corner of the earth as they build godly households that are sturdy, productive, and joyful. We believe that Jesus Christ is Lord over all, and we desire to see His Word come out our fingertips. And particularly, we desire to build upon the commands of Christ by speaking specifically about the wisdom of applying those commands. My name is Matt, and I'm joined here by my wife, Sarah. Hey, guys. Hello, hello. Well, today we want to talk about what is a household? What is a household? Any initial thoughts when you think about a household? How do you think our world thinks about a household? Well, I think it's not very deep because I didn't really think deeply about one either. Think mm-hmm. about a household as a, I think of a, an actual house and the people living in it. And mm-hmm. that's about as far as it goes. Yeah. Can I think of uh, just the, the building or... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, in, in our culture, we, we, um, we have this kind of uh, just stepping outside of just the household and thinking about kind of life in general, but w- where we tend to want to define what we think is the norm or what, what should be the norm or the normative or what's normal by, the, by an exception, by the exceptional, like the exception, the the things that are not um, as common. Sure, those actually have a louder voice right now. Oh yeah. The the well, what about this little detail? Yeah. You know of of the culture, which you know, it's it's good to think about those things, but it's become such a dominant um, view that it's not helpful. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, what we're doing is we're letting the wrong thing set the norm. Like that's the like the danger here is letting the wrong the wrong thing tell us what should be normal. Um, we we want to let like the fringe tell us, or or you know, people say even good-hearted people say, well, what about singles? You know, you know, what about this or that? And or what uh, about women? Yeah, or in what, this context. Yeah, you know? what is. Yeah, what does that mean? And, and, the, and at the outset, we want to say, like, we, we can't let those things define for us what's the norm, what's the normative, you know, is, um, uh, back to your point of it being kind of shallow, you know, is, is a household just like a wedding event plus a photographer, and now you have a household? Um, can a household be two men or two women? Or how about three men? I mean, we might as well. Or three men and two women, like what's uh, can that be a household? What's what's that look like? But but for that, you know, for us, we believe the norm is laid out in the scriptures. That the norm for the household is is told to us by God and His Word, um, and specifically, we go back to Genesis two and three, where God establishes the first household. That's where He gives us the norm. You know, so for us, most fundamentally, according to God's Word. You have at the beginning here a man and a woman in covenant relationship for the purpose of subduing the earth by bringing order and life 
and therefore spreading God's glory. Like that, that is what we believe. Uh, if we were to give like a working definition of household, I would say it's a man and a woman in a covenantal relationship for the purpose, explicit purpose of subduing the earth by bringing order and life. And as they do that, they uh, spread the glory of God. So if you think about, just to give it a little, like a nod to a little bit of the, like maybe a fringe or just something that's maybe pre-household, you know, for the young, the college student, um, the, the, the dorm room of, of girls, um, dorm room of, of boys, um, the person who's out of college and not married yet, mm-hmm. um, you know, those people, you know, it's, this is not excluding, but it's, it actually, it paints a vision for mm-hmm. what, what God has planned. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. In, in our world, to say someone's excluded from something is like just seen as evil. You know, you're just a bad person. Um, but saying this is, this is the norm, this is what is normal, and this is where most of humanity should go. Um, you know, singleness um, is, a, uh, is not necessarily wrong, um, but it's not the normal path for most Christians. Mm-hmm. So um, so we, we, we have to go back to the Scriptures. The Scriptures doesn't start off with Adam and Eve and a single over here to the side. It's, it's Adam and Eve as a household. Um, and again, that doesn't mean there aren't some minor variations, like, like maybe a couple that cannot physically have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they, that, but again, we can't, we can't let those abnormal things define what is the norm, mm-hmm. what is the biggest stream for which most people should go swimming. Mm-hmm. Um, or again, another variation of people who are legitimately called to celibacy and, and subsequently singleness, and mm-hmm. that's a topic for another day. But you have in this most fundamental building block of humanity, you have a, a patriarch leading his wife on mission, uh, and then them together... To this mission is to spread God's image across the earth. And they do that by bringing order and bringing life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, specifically, have you know, you and I, we've worked through Genesis 1 and 2, and we've, we've talked about this uh, in our church. And, um, but, but it's interesting, when you read Genesis 1 and 2, a lot of people kind of just kind of lump those two together um, as, this, as if there's kind of a... Uh, a scratch in the record, like the record just kind of re- 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 repeated itself, right? And but Genesis one and Genesis two talk about humanity and the household, but but in different ways. In Genesis one, it takes us through the orderly steps and days of God's work of creation. But Genesis three, I'm sorry, Genesis two lands a smack dab in the middle of the sixth day, so he's talking about the creation of, of Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And mankind, uh, like, so So in Genesis 2, he just kind of blows that picture up, not, not like, a, like in a destroy it kind of way, but like makes it bigger mm-hmm. um, and kind of dives zooms in. in. Yeah, he zooms in. There mm-hmm. you go. He zooms into the, the, to the details of that. Um, and so I want to kind of walk through 
some of that and and make a side note here that first of all mankind wasn't created because God was lonely but but he was created for a mission. Adam and Eve were created for a mission. So um, I thought it'd be helpful for us just to spend a few minutes kind of working through Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Um, and so I'll walk us through this, but Sarah, if you want to throw in thoughts, just you know, do that as we go. But um, the big picture in Genesis 1 is this equality between man and woman um, and how it's really being made painfully clear. They're both made in the image of God. They're both made of flesh and bone. They're both formed by God. They both inhabit the garden. They both enjoy God's provision. Both are bound by the same divine commands. So Genesis 1 is is setting the stage that these two people are equal. They're made equal, equally valuable. Mm -hmm. But Genesis 2 again, dives right into the middle of the creation of Adam and Eve and uh, really focuses on a difference in roles. Now, before we get into the difference of roles, something that is important I think we talk about is the idea of generalizations. Like, generalizations are just that. There's, they're a statement that is generally true, generally applicable. Um, it doesn't mean there aren't exceptions to it. Or it doesn't mean that there isn't overlaps, kind of, kind of like a Venn diagram. So we say a man's role is in this circle, and a woman's role is in this circle. That doesn't mean that those circles don't overlap somewhere to some measure. So with that, we have, we have differences in roles, and um, let me we'll walk through each of these verses. So as we work through Genesis chapter 2 here, beginning in verse 15, what we see is that before Eve was created, Adam was put in the garden to keep it. So verse 15 says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So this happens prior to the creation of of Eve. Um, And the covenant to work it and keep it is given here to Adam. And again, this is before Eve even comes onto the scene. Mm-hmm. And then you get down to to verse, uh, so he said in verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and such you, should not, you shall not eat of that. Then in verse 18, he says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper a fit for him. Now, we got to pause right there. So in verse 18, he says there's not fit for man to be alone. And But what's interesting here is that he doesn't create Eve yet. Hmm. So verse 19, now out of the ground of the Lord God, uh, so out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. So it's interesting, he creates Adam, he gives Adam the covenant to not eat of the tree, he says it's not good for Adam to be alone, but then he goes through this huge task of bringing every animal to Adam and having Adam name it. Well, what is Adam doing at that point? Well, he's exercising dominion. This is an act of dominion. He is dividing and separating and ordering the animals. That sounds like a mission, a work. Yeah, it is. It is. And Adam's already on that mission. 
So he's doing the role God's putting him. He, this is this, there's no household at this point, right? There's there's no there's there's no um, kids to raise up. Mm-hmm. There's no uh, wife to lead at this moment. There's 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 the outward facing thing. Like in a bit, we're going to talk about inward facing towards the house and outward facing away from the house. Adam here is he's not faced towards the house. He's faced towards the earth, mm-hmm. towards creation. Um, an act of ordering and separating and, mm-hmm. and bringing dominion to. Well, then you get to, so that's the end of verse 20. Then you get to verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man, and so on and so forth. So Adam is put to sleep. And then now, God creates woman. And here's the question, the big question for us then is, well, then what need does she fulfill? What need does she come onto the scene to fulfill? Well, what she fulfills is she fixes Adam's aloneness problem. I don't mean his loneliness problem. He wasn't lonely. I mean, you can think about this. He was with God. He was walking with God. Adam wasn't alone. He wasn't in the corner crying because he needed a friend. He had God. But he was alone in the task of accomplishing God's mission for Nothing him. Nothing else in creation could was fit for his task. Like, he was naming the animals, He and it was just... It was a known statement that there was nothing there that could was suitable or fit to help. Yeah, and and help in in a couple different ways. I mean, he can get an ox to go till the ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can do that, and that would be that would help. But what none of them could help do was to multiply Adam to bring the image of God to the rest of the world and to subdue the rest of creation outside of the garden. Like, that that couldn't happen. And so the need that she fulfills is is, is Adam's aloneness. So when she comes, God is, is directing her eyesight toward Adam. So Adam's eyesight's directed towards the creation, and her uh, eyesight is directed towards Adam. So, so back to this like working definition, a man and a woman in covenant relationship for the purpose of subduing the earth by bringing order and life. Yeah, bo- both were created to subdue the earth, but each given a different role. Yeah, it's, it's like Tom and, and Goldberry. They're, they're singing the same song, but they're doing, but they're doing different roles. You know, back to the Tolkien's picture here. They're they they're, they're like, harmonizing. Yeah, yeah. One singing. I'm not a music person. The, <laughs> the melody, melody. <laughs> yes, the melody, and the other one, the harmony, and it intertwines back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so as I said, you know, the man is oriented away from the home and leading the home to take the next acre, or to use the language we've used thus far in, in uh, the garden, is to, um, you know, t- to, to organize the next set of animals, you know, to, to take the next acre. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as where the woman is oriented towards the home, like orient, oriented towards Adam. And, and here you have this first established household. And, and so household is, is what it's made up of, um, a man and a woman, but it's also made up of specific roles. So a household has unique participants, and then those participants each have unique roles. Um, I've, I found this definition actually in, in Doug Wilson's uh, parenting book called Standing on the Promises. He says, uh, that I thought was really helpful. He said, the constitution for this government, meaning the household, was written by him, God, and revealed to us in his word. The head of each family is the husband. The chief advisor to this head is the wife. And the subjects of this small realm are the children. And to be sure, they're temporary subjects. But parents are instructed by God to prepare their children to leave at the proper time in order to establish their own families, or aka households. Parents bring up their children to be colonists at the proper time, planting families or households of their own. So uh, I just thought that was helpful. That is good. Yeah. You know, so a husband and a wife cling to each other, forming a covenant that represents the relationship between Christ and the church. We find that later in Ephesians 5. And then together they build a household where children are raised up to walk with the Lord. And they together learn to love God and love neighbor by learning God's commands and how to obey them. Like that's how they're going to spread the image of God. They're going to bring order where there's chaos. They're going to bring life where there is death. And they're going to do that by learning and uh, obeying and teaching their kids God's commands. Yeah, this is a good biblical framework. So practically, what's that look like? Well, why don't you tell us? Well, so practically, you have this covenant relationship between man and woman at the center of the household. Mm-hmm. And around this, everything else orbits. So this household, made up of the covenant relationship between man and woman, is responsible for a mission to spread the glory of God. And we talked last time about um, the purpose of the household of being the glory of God. Anything peripheral to that, even something good and even biblical, if the glory of God is not the aim, then the aroma will be absent. It'll be a stench. So the glory of God and what that looks like. And so one part of that mission, would, or sorry, the household is responsible for the mission and the education. Yeah, like education is part of that mission. Yes. So part of that, that mission is uh, the education of ourselves and the education of our kids. Um, but one of the things we've got to do though, when we think about education is, is we've got to stop drawing this divide or, um, you know, doing this, as my good friend Russ would say, uh, doing a, a false bifurcation, like, mm-hmm. uh, or uh, dividing these things of school education and like religious education. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the child is learning from day one mm-hmm. and from our culture. And from from our family culture specifically, and they are sponges, 
and we the, everything we read, everything we say is teaching them. And yeah. every parent is a teacher. You teach your child to walk and how to mm-hmm. talk and how to eat, how yeah. to eat from a spoon. And so education is from day one. And yeah, that's all life education. Um, but then specifically school education and religious education um, is a weaving and intertwining in and out of everyday life. Yeah, yeah. We, we think, I think some parents falsely under, falsely believe that, well, I'm going to teach my kids about God here at home, and then they're going to go to school and learn what two plus two is, and or they're going to learn basket weaving, or they're going to learn phys ed, or they're going to learn, you know, um, social studies or literature or whatever, and they're going to somehow... Uh, do that, um, and that's kind of like a just a, an, an academic exercise. And then when they come home, I'm going to teach them about God. And, but the reality is, is they're learning about God all day long. The question is, is whether or not what they're learning about God is true. So if they're learning that two plus two equals four, apart from the character of God, yes, then they're learning that God is not concerned about two plus two equaling four. And then there's a lot of other things they apply that to where it's compartmentalized and, a, and apart from God. Mm-hmm. No, it's all, it's all God's. Yeah, it, two plus two equals four because God is always consistent. Mm-hmm. He, he, because He's the one that made two plus two to always equal four. That was His plan. And so if you learn that apart from God, then... Um, so, yeah, just school education, religious education, there is no separation. All education is indoctrination. Right. So the household is responsible for everyday education that God is before all things and in all things. And then another thing that the household is responsible for is is health, health of the people for the mission, um, health, a healthy food to fuel our body. God, um, you know... One way that's easy to compartmentalize God and separate Him is Christians do this all the time, is we think things are all spiritual, but then we neglect the body. Mm-hmm. We neglect getting enough sleep. We neglect drinking enough water. We neglect um, eating the type of sustenance of food that we need to fuel our minds. Mm-hmm. And so then we can be emotional wrecks. We're just tired. And so we're going, we waste a whole day or a whole season of our life because we are not taking care of our body. Um, health-wise, and we are a, a whole person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, you know, and we'll flesh this out over, over you know, the months and years to come, but, you know, uh, the the health aspect, that's what we're saying, like mission, the, the household is responsible for the health of the people in their household. It's not doctors that are ultimately responsible for that. It's not the school food program. It's not the church even. Like you and I, as mom and dad, are responsible for the, our own health and the health of our kids, and that's from food to physical fitness to outdoors to mental health to emotional health. Like mm-hmm. we're responsible for those things, um, and and to everything that you just said. So, yeah. Um, so let's. Did you, did you have a? Yeah. Let, so now let's like like step up a layer here. Okay. Um, and think about like, so we talked about man and woman are both given this mission and both are given the mission to subdue the earth. So that role is given to man and woman. 
But the the difference is that the way those roll, their role in subduing the earth. So if subduing the earth is like a ship crossing the, the sea, well, both man and woman are to be on the ship mm-hmm. to go subdue the earth, you know, which is like the ship crossing mm-hmm. the sea, the cr- crossing the sea. But their role on the ship just looks different. Mm-hmm. Um, so both called to subdue the earth, but one's oriented towards one way and one's oriented towards another way. And we've already alluded to this, but the, the man is oriented toward away from the household. It doesn't mean that he doesn't care about the thing. No, he has to actually lead the household to, to go subdue the earth. Like that's, that's his, his part. The, the whole household is to do that together. That's not just dad's job. That's mm-hmm. dad and mom's job. And, um, and the, but mom's job is her orientation is, is toward her husband and the household that's coming alongside him. Mm-hmm. So back to the man, and then we'll talk about the woman side of this. Um, his, his goal, his role is, is predominantly to exercise dominion and mastery. Um, now that's different than domination. Like we're not talking about dominating something. Right. Um, or domineering something, but but having dominion and mastery over it. It's it's working. Here, here's a kind of way to, I, I think about it. Like he's to work in such a way that the things he touches become they become fruitful. Mm-hmm. And specifically so that they become fruitful in the way that they honor and glorify God. Mm-hmm. So his job is not just to make it submit so that he can have his way. And I think in our in our day, um, a lot of people are so afraid of like the word patriarchy mm-hmm. because there's bad patriarchy that's just about making people submit. It's mm-hmm. just about some man who just wants his wife for and power. kids and mm-hmm. yeah, just for just for power for mm-hmm. his own sake. But that's different than working and um, having dominion over and having authority over, so that they they begin to flourish. And grow into what God's called them to be, right? Exactly. Yeah. Ta- a gardener isn't going to um, beat the soil because nothing's coming up or drench it because it's, you know, it's just, it's going to do what it needs to do. It's going to tend to it. It's going to cultivate it. It's going to weed it. It's going to till it. You know, all those things. It's it's a, it's a tending uh, uh, orientation. Yeah, you know, of care. The, the, the garden, that's a that's a great example because no one is going to uh, chastise the gardener who gets out, roughs up the ground, mm-hmm. uh, rips out the weeds, mm-hmm. um, puts a fence around it to protect it from other wildlife, <laughs> and then goes out and prunes it when he needs to. Which is not stifling, like putting a fence around it. Right. Not stifling. No, it's not. It's actually hemming the garden in and protecting it. Absolutely. So who would look at a gardener and say, shame on you for doing that? Mm -hmm. So that is dominion, Mm -hmm. not domination. Exactly Mm -hmm. right. Exactly. Um, So the same thing, then to apply that to the family, like that he, yeah, he's going to have hard conversations with his wife and with his kids that are uncomfortable, that no one wants to have. It's like going out. No one wants to get down on their knees and pull weeds. Mm-hmm. But but again, no one says that that's a bad thing. But 
but they get all over a man who's willing to have hard conversations with his family or willing to spank his kids. Mm-hmm. You know, that again, no one wants to get down on their hands and knees. No one, no one wants to put the labor into building a fence. Um, but when that when that household, when that father says, We're not gonna watch these kind of shows and we're not gonna watch these kind of shows, uh, you know, or we're not gonna play every sport on the planet and be busy every night of the week. You know, you're putting a fence around your family, and sure, there's going to be animals around the garden that don't understand and even scoff at the fence that that man's put around his family. Mm-hmm. But Even some disappointment from within, potentially, yeah, too. That's right. To, to counsel and shepherd through. Yeah. Well, yeah. Man, we're going to get some tangents here, but, <laughs> um, you know, think about a vine growing up. Like the, sure, the van, the vine wants to go anywhere and everywhere that it can go, but it's not good for it to go anywhere and everywhere. So the gardener to, intertwines it onto a stake, yeah, or onto a um, a cage, yeah, you know, for it to have that support. But the vine is most free. It can if go anywhere it wants if it goes wherever it wants, right? But yeah. no, it's not built for that. It'll rot if it goes wherever it wants because it's on the ground. Yeah, it needs to be staked up. And have a place to go. Yeah, you know, I've I've researched growing um, hops, <laughs> <laughs> and apparently hops grow like it's like twelve to sixteen what are hops, feet. Um, it's what's used in making beer. So some kind of plant. Thing. It's a plant. Yes, okay. sorry, it's a plant. Yes, I guess most of the world maybe doesn't know what hops are, but um, for all you Baptists, uh, <laughs> 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 you know. Uh, oh, come on. You just learned what it, they were, too. Oh, I did, but it's because I've been Baptist my whole life. <laughs> like right. beer, evil people drink mm-hmm. beer, evil. Um, but apparently the hops grow to like 12 to 16 feet tall, and they only fruit uh, in the top uh, like four feet. So they don't get up there. They won't be as fruitful and as flourishing as they could if they don't have the right trellis. So like I think about our kids right now, you know, are are that are very athletic, and they want to play every sport in the planet, and they would be fine and happy as 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 anybody if they could be on a sports team every night of the week. But we right. know that's not what's best for them. Right. So we have to put the trellis in place, and we're still figuring that out. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So dominion, not domination, mastery, um, not perfection. But uh, bringing order out of chaos, like this is, again, this is back to the man's role, to bring order out of chaos, to draw dividing lines. To be fruitful and multiply. That's right. And this includes, so this includes more than just a man's quiet time. Like he needs to have a quiet time. He needs to spend time in the Word. He needs to know the Word. But I think men have been told for so long that the totality of their manhood is them spending time in the Bible and or the yeah. totality of their spiritual yeah. life. Well, and their manhood, it's, but yes, and then that being their manhood, like mm. that that's all there is. Mm. And that's what you got. B- but God's called you to more, and he's called women to more too. And now now your time in the word and knowing the word is going to probably make or break mm. your exercise of dominion. Um but yeah, so that's the the man. Now the woman is given the same mission, right, to subdue the earth. She's to subdue it along with Adam, but her role is different. She's, she is, I think, most fundamentally what we see from Eve, and even from her name, is the mm-hmm. mother of life, which is given to her later. 
Um, her role is to give life and to give life through relationships. And, and where do we see that most fundamentally is where she is given to Adam to fix his aloneness problem. And so she is oriented toward the man. And that makes sense. I mean, women generally are relational. Um, mm-hmm. We're oriented to relationships. We have the keen sensitivity towards how someone is feeling or the feeling in the room and such. But yeah, so women have the mission of subduing the earth as well, even though we are, our orientation is towards our husband. And, you know, that's just such a lost thing right now. So like, for example, like I, I come in contact with many women in the context of my part-time job. And just today I had a woman say to me, um, well, maybe for a little context, I work in the dental field. And so I have patients that I clean their teeth and I get to listen to them, ask questions. And so I just come in contact with all types of men and women and get a really good um, survey of the land um, that way. So she was telling me, she goes, you know, being a stay-at-home mom is not all it's cracked up to be. Mm. And, you know, she she had children later in life and twin boys, and they're six and a half now. And she's back to part-time work. And, you know, after saying, you know, being a stay-at-home mom, you know, it's probably someone who's wanted kids for a while, and she ended up finally having them later in life. Mm. Um, that was probably one of her first mistakes. Um so, well, I, she wanted them earlier, but she couldn't have them. So they did like IVF. Mm. Um, so she was able, she had twins. So that was a blessing. That's something that she had wanted. Um, but it's interesting. So then she, you know, she got what she wanted. She had children and then, but being stay at home was not all it was cracked up to be, she said, which was so interesting to me. And she goes, it's healthy for me to get back to work for my mental health. And this is just an example <laughs> of many moms that I've talked to that mm. they don't, they just feel stifled in being a stay at home mom. And so she floundered during those, like, say, six years or five years that she was home with her boys. Um, she likely did not have a vision of what eternal things were happening with the work of her hands and her mind during that time at home. Um, she was obviously looking for something different and found wanting. Um, she didn't have the eyes to see the wonder of motherhood. And by that, I mean the beauty of nurturing eternal souls, teaching the minds of her boys to grow into strong men through feeding them food, you know, reading them stories, walking through the woods mm, with them, yeah. just everyday conversations over lunch with them. You know, there wasn't an eternal value in those mundane, everyday moments. Mm. And so also she didn't have a mission to aim for. Um, her mission was, pr- I mean, like most people, or it was probably her satisfaction. She was looking mm. for that every day and she was left wanting. And, you know, overall women are good at being on mission. We can't help but be on mission. We're good at it. So if the husband doesn't have a mission and communicate it well, she will find a mission that serves something peripheral to the glory of God. It will be oriented toward herself in some way, her preferences. It could be the kids, maybe her self-care, for example, or maybe lack of. And But wives need leadership from their husband to communicate the glory of God for their specific family. Yeah, 
Yeah, it just reminded me of this post by uh, John Moody. John Moody's a, oh, a, a yeah. homesteader um, in um, in uh, just outside of Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. Um, and uh, in his post just a few days ago, he said, uh, "Hope, contentment, and joy are what turn monotony into glory." And then he gives this big list. So thinking about like if if this woman would have had a vision. Uh, of what she was doing that was rich like this. So here's the list. Uh, let me go back to, to the beginning. Hope, contentment, and joy are what turn monotony into glory. Baking the bread again, reading the book again, putting kids to bed again, hanging the laundry again, folding the laundry again, uh, disciplining the kids again, going to work again, driving to the practice again, taking them to the doctor again, changing the oil and brakes again, again and again and again and again and again and again. Apart from hope in Christ, this is soul-crushing drudgery, which is why our culture by and large medicates itself with pharma, alcohol, video games, and a thousand other idols that lead to destruction. With Christ, these are practice for and a foretaste of a heavenly household where all our labors lead to eternal joy and unending glory. Last line. <laughs> like, I gotta say something. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's so, so good. Mm-hmm. He says, medicate yourself on Christ and his promises. Okay, so all of that, the medicate on Christ and his promises. You know, I've been, I have been where my patient was describing today. I've been at home and totally understand how without that medication on Christ and his promises, you are left wanting. Mm -hmm. And so you, maybe you could, you could say, I'm not mentally challenged. Um, I'm, I'm not using my giftings. I'm not using my education that I got and, and such. And so the creativity of the creator God and in, in design intended for mothers is stifled, dead, and um, therefore we are left wanting. And so we feel like we have to go outside of God's design mm-hmm. or just outside to go get it. And sadly, I, I, I doubt that she could even say even now that she had found her satisfaction. You know? No, no. Mm-hmm. No, and probably what she means by, um, you know, for my mental health mm-hmm. All what she probably means is for um, some measure of emotional satisfaction, like emotional. Um, I can make it through my days with a little less stress, mm-hmm. like with a little more chipperness. Mm-hmm. You know, I I doubt her vision of what life could and should look like right now is is um, is amazing, right? <laughs> so. So I guess back to women being, um, having sub being subduers of the earth as well. You know, another way is through giving life, Mm -hmm. you know, um, generally women are created to have babies, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's the norm. That's the norm. And and we shouldn't Mm -hmm. feel bad about saying that's the norm. Like when a, when a woman, we have body parts that, that show, Hey, this is supposed to house a baby. Yeah, and, and and when a woman and I say this sensitively, mm-hmm. and knowing people who even currently right now mm-hmm. are struggling to get pregnant, like, um, that's not the norm. Like that's that's brokenness, right? And it could be because of sin, 
Um, I mean, it is because of sin, ultimately, because it's a part of the fall, Mm -hmm. because our bodies were meant to reproduce. But it may not be because of sin in that mom or or desiring to be mom um, or dad's life. I mean, it could be, but it may not be. Mm -hmm. So just because we say it's brokenness doesn't mean that they're doing something evil Mm -hmm. um, or that God is punishing them. I mean, because God doesn't punish... his, particularly his kids, right? Right. I mean, he disciplines them. He gives us a framework um, that yeah. that he ordains and is what's best for us. Yeah, yeah. And so we shouldn't feel bad about saying that that's that's the norm. That her body, like everything about her body, right from from her hips uh, to uh, you know other body parts, are like are meant for bringing life. Right. Her womb. <clears throat> excuse me. Is a home. It's a <clears throat> sorry. It's a place of hospitality. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's why abortion is such an evil because it is taking one of the things that's most uh, fundamental in a woman's body uh, that is meant to display such incredible hospitality and turning it into a, a place of hostility. Mm-hmm. But but through woman she is of herself able to fix the aloneness problem. Mm -hmm. Adam would be just Adam on his own. He would have eaten a tree and then he would have died. Mm -hmm. And that's the end of it. Mm -hmm. But God gave him Eve to complete this mission. Right. And to have children to um, also subdue the earth and be on the same mission as uh, in within the household. Mm-hmm. You know, another way of bringing life is not just through childbirth, but just through mom's or the wife's presence. Mm-hmm. Um, just her her attitude, her mood, her demeanor, her just her presence um, either will give life or it will take life. Um, a warm and gentle and just a nurturing invitation to come and live. That invitation to her family invitation even to to outsiders into her home and just the the life-giving power of her words her face her expression um, her presence and everything the life-giving as she prepares the home um, including food including the the mood of the of the home and that's getting to a good definition of homemaking yeah yeah absolutely I was having a conversation with someone today about just helping their household and particularly their wife develop a, what does homemaking mean? And I'm looking forward to having that conversation yeah. down the road. Um, what is it? What what is entailed in a woman's role of homemaking? Because I think homemaking um, uh, usually gets um, maybe pigeonholed as um, well doing dishes, making dinner, and doing laundry. Or maybe it's, you know, uh, cooking dinner and keeping the house clean. And certainly um, it includes those things, but homemaking is way more... It's Homemaking, I think, is a good word because it's you are making a home. And making a home is way more grand than just a clean house and food. It's certainly those things. It includes those things, but it's more than that. It's actually um, a little bit of a challenge because you take those things and there's actually like, there's a secret ingredient called the aiming for the glory of God and what that looks like 
in your food preparation, Mm -hmm. in your cleaning your home, in your child rearing. Like, what does that look like? And that is just a whole other episode. It it sure is. (laughs) Well, on that note, we'd like to thank you for joining us this week. Um, I I hope today was helpful to you and we're um, thrilled to be doing this. If you'd like to support this, uh, our mission, um, as we try to help you build your guys' mission, uh, please visit our Patreon page and become uh, a part of our mission today. Now go seek God and His Word as you build your household through dominion and mastery to be joyful, sturdy, and productive.